are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is uh, not here. He's busy today, but we have plenty of other stuff planned for the two of us later on. But Out Now is a film podcast where Aim and I discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then, we have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something a little different. And this is a little different because it's another uh, one-off review episode where myself and the guest are just going to go over a movie and that's it. Because, hey, there's a lot of movies out right now, and we want to make sure we get our thoughts in on some of the big ones that... uh you know, certainly have a lot of opinions to go with them. So we are talking The Zone of Interest today, the new film from Jonathan Glazer. And uh, joining me to do such that such thing we have from We Live Entertainment, when it comes to owning a home, he too is all about location, location, location. It's Peter Paris. <laughs> hey, everybody. Peter, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm uh, recording this from Chicago. I'm staying with my best friend. Uh, I'm uh, here for uh, next week or so to, for uh, Christmas and New Year's. And then I will be back in L.A. in 2024. Very cool. They? And the weather's not too cold. Do they put a big Santa hat on the big bean? Oh, I don't know. I have not. I mean, I haven't gone down there. I just <laughs> got ridiculous. here. But <laughs> would they do that? I mean, I am sure Millennium Park has tons of holiday festive decorations. I don't know if the big bean gets anything, though. You're really funny. I'll report back. <laughs> It made it like a weird snowman somehow. I was like, all right. <laughs> all right. Well, no, good to have you here. Good to, good to hear from you, of course. And uh, I, I know you have uh, opinions on this film. So let's uh, let's get to it. Let's do our review for The Zone of Interest. This is Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for The Zone of Interest. English director Jonathan Glazer has had a lengthy career consisting of bold choices when it comes to his music video as a commercial work, which has transferred over to his career as in feature films. 2013 gave us Under the Skin, which placed an indelible stamp on experimental sci-fi for the decade. Ten years later, we now have The Zone of Interest, an experimental drama focused on a family who have built a dream home that happens to be in an area less than 100 yards away from Auschwitz during World War II. Christian Friedel and Sandra Huller play husband and wife of a family with little concern over the atrocities taking place next door. Peter, you're a big fan of Glazer's previous work, and you're most assuredly looking forward to this film. What did you think of The Zone of Interest? I, I, it actually ex- exceeded my expectations. I, uh, I yes, uh, you know, uh, when I wrote for Why So Blue, um, uh, Social Network was beaten out by Under the Skin as my my number one pick for the film of the 2010s. And uh, I stand by that. I've seen it many times. Uh, I know it's not for everybody, but um, I I really like, um, I really respond to Glazer's art installation, filmmaking meets occasionally hints of documentary style camera work and 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 uh, use of non-actors so i was really weird i mean for a science fiction movie i thought under the skin did a really good job and it influenced like a lot of you know i know i well i always say a lot to me and when i say that the main thing i think of is the, the black goo and stranger things but i think that's pretty big and uh you know ryan johnson notably hired the people who worked on those scenes in Under the Skin for Ray's dream sequence in um, The Last Jedi, which I think is also pretty effective. But I was very curious when I heard that this was about, you know, a Nazi family concentration camp. I was kind of like, well, I was like, okay, so it's not sci-fi. I was like, does that mean we're not going to get 
the kind of weird things that I think Glazer does with sound and sometimes with visuals. And I'm happy to report we do get that. I mean, it is still mostly a period drama. Like, like 90% of the movie is mostly that and everything. But I, I was pretty, I thought he, he has moments, especially when we can get to it, which I guess it's the use of a negative, negative space. I don't know what we'd call it, negative black and white imagery or whatever. Sure, yeah. Yeah, he's got, he's, he's got, definitely got a weird, like, what is this, like, type of thing um, that you would not normally see in a period drama. I mean, that, like, he definitely has made a movie about the Holocaust and about, you know, I guess, you know, World War II that I don't think is like any other film of its, of its kind that I've seen. And I, I, yeah, I really, I also really thought it was interesting how I don't, in Sexy Beast, there's a lot of dialogue. Under the Skin doesn't really have that much dialogue. And this has a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of talking back and forth. And it works. It, I think it works really, really well. But I was surprised rise because i was like well we'll see how that works if he'll be able to like you know how will that be because i always think it's his sound design it's what he you know it's the absence of dial you know it's it's more of these quiet moments which the movie certainly has but there's a lot of dialogue in this and so i was and it's all in you know german so i was curious to see how that would engage me but it did it did engage me i've never um, seen birth by the way I've also never seen birth. I don't, I think I was waiting for like a 4k transfer and it hasn't happened yet. And so I just, I'm like, well, I guess I'll just keep waiting. But I think that's because he's only made like the resolve is that I guess I'll watch it. It's I guess I'll keep waiting to watch. it. <laughs> well, cause I sometimes, sometimes there's, there's a movie that I haven't seen and I'm like, well, hopefully this is going to get a reissue. I'm like, I'll just wait or whatever. Like, um, but is that, wait, is that it? Is that only four? It's movies? those four. Yeah. Sexy beast birth under the skin. This. And I think the, the time between movies has gotten bigger and bigger. Yeah. This is certainly the biggest 10 yeah, years. Sexy Beast, then it's like two years to birth, then it's like seven years or whatever to do uh, under the, the skin. skin, then 10 years. Yeah, he's he's a real Malik when it comes to experimental art house. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I think the thing that I, you know, before we, I guess, dive into our own, like, uh, uh, you know, thoughts of what we liked or didn't like about the movie, I think the thing that I, that, and I mentioned this in my review, I think what's so successful about the movie for me obviously everything can just be like how you take it is that a lot of times when we get into award seasons and this is award seasons and we have a movie that is a period drama i mean it's not just a world war ii one it's also like about the holocaust the fear i have about those kind of movies is that i am i'm always like well i'm assuming this is gonna be very well made and well acted and well thought out but I'm always wondering when you make period dramas, how much you take in consideration your audience of today. Because if you just make a movie that's really a good period drama, but it doesn't say anything about the world we live in now, it almost feels like, not plastic, but it almost, it almost feels like there's just a remove where you're like, okay, I mean, I guess times were bad in the past and okay, like that sucks. Or at worst, if you're pandering, which I mentioned in my review, something like Driving Miss Daisy, where I feel like the movie almost wants to pat modern audiences at the time on the back about, you know, their racism. And it's like, oh, you're not as bad. Look how terrible racism was back then. It's so much better now or whatever. So I was very curious. I was like, why are you going to do this movie about an Aryan family and the father's like an SSS commandant? How are you going to do that? And then they're right next door 
to the concentration camp. And from what I'd heard, we aren't going to see any, we're never going to be inside the camp. So it's all going to be like things that you hear or, or like the chimney. And I was like, how's that going to work? But it is really work. And I, I think it's pretty effective to me and its simplest terms. The reason I thought the movie connected with me was that, you know, we we live in a world where we all have, I mean, not all, but a lot of us have, you know, smartphones and we we enjoy our, our chocolate treats and, I don't know, our blood diamonds or Various whatever. luxuries, fact, yeah. Right, it's various luxuries, but the fact is, if we literally lived next door to where these people were being exploited basically for our either our amusement or for our life to be easier would it be easy for us to just forget about it after a while you know in a world where we love to have social meet social justice warriors and talk about how terrible things are but it's like if if you were no if you knew of those atrocities all the time would it just become numbing would you just not care after a while and i guess i sort of think the movie is saying yes you would after a while it's still your life after a while and yeah, you probably would just move on, you know, which is sad. I mean, that's, but I don't think it's not true. And I, and to me, that's how I find the movie relevant. I think it is kind of saying something about. I'd argue we, ha- we, 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 I'd, I'd argue we do often when it comes to things like celebrity culture, which is certainly if, you know, a, a massive amount of time suck for a lot of people in, at least in America, where you look at a lot of celebrities and some of them do things sometimes that you don't approve of, but because you care about their status as a media symbol so much, you look past it to where you get on true. your life. That is true. And there are certain ones that don't pass that bar for whatever reason. For me, obviously, I made it very clear that I'm not a Mel Gibson guy. Um, Woody Allen certainly stands out for many, regardless of opinions there. Just recently have Jonathan Majors, which is going to be a giant question mark. But then you have things like Tom Cruise, who you're a big fan of. I certainly enjoy his films, but it's not like he's not part of a giant cult religion that has a lot true, of true. issues. Or right. there's plenty of news that's come out about Brad Pitt and his marriage that are not the greatest things to hear from a certain person like right. that. And yet we just kind of say like, hey, happy birthday, Brad Pitt, the other day. Like, yeah. better. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. You're right. Yeah, I didn't make that connection, but I I think you're right. Yeah, I think that that can also be applied to the nature of how we, especially in social media, we. Uh, what was the Chris Rock special? Was it called Selective Rage? Selective Outrage. Like Selective Outrage. It's, yeah, it's like, and it could just be, you know, if it's a celebrity that I don't really care about, and then I hear they're terrible, it's very easy for me to be like, how can you like him? He's he's awful. And it's like, well, did you grow up listening to his music? No, but he sounds awful. I'm like, okay, well, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it would be like Michael Jackson. I'm like, I understand anybody who grew up with, if, if you only know Michael Jackson from like the 2000s on, like, I'm probably never going to convince you to listen to Michael Jackson, um, but I can't take away my own love for the music and his performance and everything, you know? So, sure. yeah, that- no, I think you're right. I think it, I think that's a good salient point about yeah. it. it's, it's, I, I'm, I want to be more excited about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 2. Which will no longer be the title for that movie. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know what they're going to call it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, but I, 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 hear, I, I hear you, and I'm, you know, I'm straying a little bit because I hear what you're saying, too, as far as it's, it's more like if you want to make a more one-to-one connection to Zone of Interest, it's like, yes, working next to like the, the, the children farms where they make Apple products and having a right. house next door to that. Like, yes, that's, that's more of like the kind of which probably exists in china and what have you yeah. when it comes to those areas um or even or even if you're in 
Um, I just saw a thing about um, is it Portugal? I just saw a thing on one news piece about all the all the fast fashion landfills in mm. a country, and it's like it is technically it's illegal for people to just for companies to come and dump all this like clothes and everything, but but people still keep doing it. And yes, and then these are families, you know, mostly poor that are living right next to this. And this is like terrible and everything. And then you see it, but you're, but there is no way where you live or I live that that would be acceptable. There's no way if I looked out my window and I was like, oh, look at all this garbage out here. I guess this is just okay. That's my life now. Like it wouldn't like, but that's, yeah, I, I, we, we really do have a kind of um, blinders on for our own like comfort, I guess. So before we get more into this, I guess I'll provide my perspective on the zone of interest. Um, I <laughs> I will say I like I do like this movie overall. Um, I'm not nearly as enamored by it as you are, and because of that, I have to play more of a devil's advocate and be more opposing by default. But like, it's not like I can't recognize that Jonathan Glaze is a very talented filmmaker. I I see the work that he's putting into making a very deliberately staged production. Uh, which includes his use of camera angles. There's a lot of like a lot of mid focus throughout the movie. Like it feels like we're being we're being held at a distance, much like the family is held at a distance from what's going on next door. Um, there's no close ups in this movie beyond like some like kind of out there shots or whatnot that feel more akin to his experimental style as opposed to like let's get a dramatic close up on Sandra Holler's face or something like that. There's no real there's no real effort to do that. The sound design, is, and especially this, I watched, so I watched it a second time, and my first time was in a screening room, like it should not have had proper sound, but because I was just by myself watching it the second time with a screener in my home and I just turned it up really loud, you could really hear how deliberate he's doing things with sound there. Like there's a con like every time you're at the house, there's a constant droning that I didn't recognize. I think the first time mm. because you're just next to this place that's doing stuff, uh, presumably using ovens and things of that nature um that's just let alone hearing things like shouts and gunfire like stuff like that always just in the mix of the sound which is you know it's it's an accomplishment to pull something like that off and not and make it like you as a viewer have to be continually dealing with that also to a point where you even grow numb to a point because you're like here we are back at the house again it's going to sound like this like there's there's certainly there's stuff like that throughout that i appreciate i do think it's a well-acted movie because why wouldn't it be you get good actors you get good performances from a you know director like this i think where my my issue comes in is i have like an issue it's just more of like what am i supposed to take from this overall and i feel like i got that fairly early on which makes me wonder so what's the point of having an entire feature length film that's conveying all this stuff to me now there's a story to an extent as experimental as this film is there is an arc to what's taking place with the um with uh, the lead ss guy the, po the possible relocation of the yes. family there yeah so there's like a story that goes and like you know if, if it's not just I can't just like argue against drama happening. That's besides the point. But given how specific the messaging is as far as what Glazer's going for, I I hate diminishing a film like this, but he you know, it it could come off as basically an art installation that's been turned into a feature length film, given the overall themes here. And that leads me to have questions for you as far as like purpose wise, but in, in wrapping my thoughts up. Like there's there's not a reason for me to say don't see this. Like it 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 works on its own level, and certainly if you're more inclined to appreciate experimental cinema, which it's not like I'm averse to. There's plenty of experimental films that I like, but obviously if you're if you're more intrigued to like 
see the Holocaust approach to it in a way like this, or see, again, just experimental drama in general like this, or see filmmaking being taken to certain kinds of extremes that you're just not normally used to, there's plenty of, there's plenty of appeal to some degree. But on like a messaging front, if it's someone like me who can recognize what's going on here, I'm not sure like what, I don't know what audience is looking, if, if they're, if they're simply looking to like have an understanding of what the story is trying to convey to them, I'm not sure like what audience that is that needs to learn that message compared to someone that certainly wouldn't like, you know, someone that someone that has more hate in their heart or something of that nature. They wouldn't see a movie like this to begin with. So I'm what so that makes me wonder where where's the draw exactly? I guess outside of filmmaking. Well, I, I guess I feel like I will say that like these these might sound like strange filmmakers to compare them to, although they both have movies that I put on my 2010s list, but I do think that more so with Under the Skin, but I sort of see it with the zone of interest. I do think that alongside you saying the art installation comparison, I do think that Glazer also, because of his very use, strong use of sound design, he sort of also reminds me of the way Harmony Corinne's Spring Breakers is, which is that as a movie, like with a three-act structure, if you're thinking it's going to be that, I can sort of see the criticisms of these kind of movies feeling a little repetitive, but I've always thought of Under the Skin and Spring Breakers and to a degree zone of interest is more taking the form of like music or oral like sound, which is meaning that it's almost like you have this stanza, you have this verse, you know, and then you come, you know, in the chorus and you come back and then you repeat that, you know, whatever your themes are, whatever your visuals are. And I guess that that's, that is absolutely not a traditional way to make like a movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that like that, that, that might for some viewers make those kind of experiences a little harder to sit through to be like, well, we already saw the scene. How many times is she going to abduct an alien? How many times is it like, like, I get it. It's just... I guess I guess I would think that I guess subtly but I think Glazer I mean, is adding things. There's I mean, certain, there's the, certain, but there's the, certainly the, like the, a there's a there's a um an appeal to an extent, or like there's something there with Spring Breakers and Under the Skin where it's like I you know the regardless of repetitiveness or what have you, there's a novelty to the idea of seeing Scarlett Johansson doing the things that she's doing in that film that not, that doesn't necessarily I'm not saying bore you, but certainly like it's not as extreme as here's the latest version of this family not dealing with Auschwitz. There's something more intriguing about one to watch an alien played by Scarlett Johansson doing stuff than there is to watch a family just being a normal family next to Auschwitz. Same with Spring Breakers. You have these people doing all this Spring Break stuff during Spring Break. There's an audience for that. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would agree. Yes. Yeah. There is, although I will say one of the things I, I thought was interesting is that like I have not... I haven't seen The Pianist, and Ch- I mean, I've seen Schindler's List many times, but I haven't seen it in a while. But it was interesting to me because I was like, okay, there's no way Glazer is going to make this Nazi family like likable. But they're also a diff- not necessarily- a different filmmaker. Like- a different filmmaker would honestly. Taika Waititi kind of does actually come to think of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I'm like, well, I was like, how is that the, the- you know, if 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 the if the point of the movie, I think, like you said, isn't hard to figure out, which is how do we ourselves 
deal with or not deal with with things outside of us that are pretty bad and how much will we just put up with it for our own reasons like if your whole if, if the movie is kind of like you know holding a mirror up to society type of thing mm-hmm. then in that in that way the nazi family should be pretty relatable they should be like hey they're just like me oh that sucks they're by auschwitz you know but it's like he doesn't go down that route and so i do think that makes it sort of challenging as a viewer because i don't think any of the characters in that family are i don't think we we get an entry point like i can certainly understand very minusculely yes i can understand that the father commandant has a lot of pressure he's going to be relocated because he's so good at his terrible job and i can sort of understand that uh hill hedwig hedwig she doesn't she's you know she's worked for years to make this her home with her children and she doesn't want to move like yeah i could sort of get it but it's like what's going on is so horrible that I don't think anybody would ever watch that movie and ever really go, oh, I kind of feel bad for her. Like, and I think that's an interesting move. I said this in my review. I mean, at least the very least, Ray Fiennes, he's a sociopath, but Ray Fiennes is so charismatic that he is a he is a compelling type of antagonist. Like these people are so kind of muted or whatever until they're not, right? But I think that's an interesting choice. And I, mean, and I think I'm glad he did that. However, I don't disagree. I, mean, I don't. I don't. I don't disagree with oh, you. Good. I, I. I just. Well, I guess what I wanted to say is, I think that if if the movie was a little more traditional, I think that because you're saying, well, how much once you get past the first setup, once you're like, okay, this is what the movie is. I. I. I, I understand this. What much? Much? What? What? What is there to to satisfy the hundred minutes? And by the way, I'm glad it's not two ten or whatever. Like, sure. I'm glad yeah. I. I'm glad. I'm glad yeah, the fact yeah. that it's. I. I <laughs> I'm, for today's I, movies it's short like, I, it is i and i'd maybe be less inclined to be i don't want to say charitable but it's being as positive as i am over a movie that i'm like i've seen twice at this point like it certainly is intrigued me enough to want to watch it multiple times but if it was yes if it was two and a half hours and we've seen holocaust dramas that are two and a half hours and more yeah that'd be a lot to deal with for a film that very specifically wants to zap away any sense of charisma for the sake of showing banality that's can I ask you a question here? Yeah. How do we, I always forget with, cause this is a new movie. How open are we to talk about? Cause I, I really want to ask you a question. How open are we to talk about spoilers? I guess I want to ask you what you feel about the Christians. Oh no, it's, no. Christians, the actor's name is yeah. it Rudolph. Rudolph. Rudolph's end scene, I guess, without saying too much. Do you think that, I don't know. I guess, well, yeah. Just, what do you think that means? Um, it, I don't want to say like a cop out because I don't think it's direct enough to really give me that kind of sense. But I do, I do think it's trying to inject certain feelings upon us. Um, where, given how experimental the movie is, I'm kind of surprised that it even tried to approach that level of, of self awareness. I guess I agree. My one friend who I saw with, she thought that she thinks that it's actually um, more of a, a litmus test thing. You can think it's saying something about his emotions and where he's at, or he just got drunk at a party and he's just sick. And I was like, huh, I didn't think of that. I was like, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm in, I'm put, I'm reading something there because of the circumstances, but realistically knowing everything we know about these people, it probably isn't that it's pr- 
it's probably just he had too much to drink. Maybe. I don't know. That's, that's why I was curious what you think. I mean, it's it's placed pretty specifically for me to think it's that simple. And I'm not inclined to be like, let me get that third watch ready to go here. I could just watch that scene, though. I have a screener. It's very easy to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I for the time being, I'm, st- I'm stuck on my thoughts where, and again, I don't like, it's not, it's not me. I don't want to say like, oh, he really messed up the ending. It's just more there's it's more just the unexpectedness of the fact that there's an acknowledgement unless there is yes a more simpler meaning of just like oh, i was just feeling sick <laughs> but i mean moments before he has a conversation with his wife about, exactly that's why i'm saying it's not and like, that's why i'm like would he have changed in two seconds <laughs> like he's literally just talking about something terrible well, like, and, there's, like, and, there's, and there's also they live next door to this thing forever like for you know for right. a time it's not it's not like oh, i was just thinking about this and suddenly i don't know anymore like it's it's like they've had a long time. I don't know. I mean, I think I think to me, because I agree, when that moment happened, that was the only moment where I was like, huh. I was like, that feels a little on the nose for for Glazer. That feels a little like, mm-hmm. huh. I was like, maybe there's something here. There's something more here than I'm thinking. I will say this, though. What he does after that, which is going back to his kind of documentary style, I think that's very terrific. I really like that. I think that's the way it, the way it smash cuts to the final the shots of this thing, I think, are really, really well cool. done. I would agree. I think, yeah, yeah, I think like the final, whatever, three, four minutes of this thing, I think, yeah. really, really well done. Um, and again, it comes down to also the sound design and the score, which is just so. Well, and and the compartmentalization. No, oh, yeah, well, all yes. those, all these rooms we're seeing, all these boxes of things and stuff. It it works very well. It's very effective. I, like, I, will, I, I yeah, mm-hmm. I will say this: of the two lead actors, Hedwig is certainly the. Um, the worst of the two, right? I mean, and not worst actor. You mean person? No, person. Yes, person. The personality. I mean, they're both good actors, but I mean, yes. yeah, yeah. But like, she, like she Rudolph may yeah. Rudolph may be coming up with the details of something that's the worst possible thing you could come up with. Yeah. But in terms of the people, it seems like it seems like she sucks. It seems like they're... Well, yeah, she's terrible. She's terrible to the health. She's, the the, the she's, remorse... She still wants the other housewives to like her more. The she's remorse like... factor she has and, like, yes, the the kind of the, the greed nature and, like, just, like, it seems like her as a person absent the work part of it is just a... Just she sucks. Is that an appropriate way to describe? Well, her. I would have I mean, yeah. I mean, I would argue a more traditional drama would have given us insight into what got Hedwig to where she is now. Why is it that she is so much needing to cling on to this? I mean, wouldn't anybody else, even if you are Nazi, wouldn't you rather relocate and not have to be by that stuff? Like, wouldn't you rather be like, oh, thank God, I don't have to be next to that, but I still get to have all the riches and everything? Mm-hmm. Like, why does she want to hold on to this? Like. But I mean, Hulu pulls it off. It's a pretty interesting thing that like, there's a shot where she basically finds out, oh, I didn't tell you, it was, I found out a week ago, but I think, you know, we're gonna have to relocate. And he he leaves. He's like, I'm gonna leave this party. And she gets so upset and like, he leaves the house. And then there's a tracking shot of her clearly pissed off and we're following her and she's so emotional. And the camp is right behind her. And it's a pretty good juxtaposition of like- A lot of good shots like that. so tiny. Yeah, she's so tiny compared to the camp, and she is so frustrated and petty and angry, and so much atrocity is just out of reach and everything. Like that kind of stuff works so well. Again, this is where this is where I think his art installation um, instincts, I think, work very well for film. 
Like I, I don't just very- I don't disagree with you. It's I come into just to make it clear. It's not like I don't want to like this movie. <laughs> like I didn't I didn't walk into this being like. Uh, you know, here we go. Let's see what this guy's got. Like, I feel like I, I think under the, I'm not as big on Under the Skin as you are, but I certainly recognize it as being a really solid film. I really like Sexy Beast, actually. I think it's a really good movie. It's yeah. decidedly different than these movies, but I think it's so different. Yeah. Really solid film. And so, like, walking into this, you know, yes, it's a, you know, ostensibly it's a Holocaust drama. It's not the thing where I'm like, let me, you know, let's raise the hands in the air, get pumped up and ready to do this. But I, I want to still appreciate what's being presented to me. Right. Uh, so, like, you know the things you're describing as far as like what it does to defy its minimalistic nature or what have you like i appreciate that and like you know who know you know i've seen again i've watched this twice already like who knows you know but in days years months whatever to come i could appreciate even more perhaps or maybe less i don't know things happen but like it it certainly like it has plenty going for it that it makes me ultimately want to you know recommend it to those that would probably see something in it and yeah, you know what? Yeah, go. Okay. Well, you know, one thing that does not bother me about the movie because it's so con- because it's so conceptual, it doesn't bother me. But normally, like we had heard that they were sh- they were scripting Killers of the Flower Moon, Scorsese and Leo. I think Leo was supposed to be the FBI agent, yes. and then something happens where they're like, you know, if we do it that way, it's really just a regular kind of white savior. This good FBI cop comes in and helps everybody helps the Osage people. And so they really wanted to like balance that out. And while I do think, I mean, obviously with Lily Gladstone's performance and stuff, I do think they, they do, it it does feel more balanced out. And the main white guy character DiCaprio is a pretty despicable person. Like, so yes, there is Jesse Plemons, but he's pretty much the end of the movie. So he's a side character. He's a side character. Like, so I mean, it's like, if anything, if anything, Plemons more represents like, a system hopefully trying to write itself in a way, sort of, in a way. What's interesting is that if you had told me on paper about Zone of Interest, my first instinct would be, wait, so we spend all the time with the Nazis and we never see anybody who's Jewish? I'd be like, the people who are actually suffering, we will never see those people? That would normally really bother me because I'd be like, why am I so invested in the bad people, the the people that are are, are being treated horrible? But this is so high concept yeah. that I actually did not notice it. It's not until I was writing the review that I was like, oh, that's true. I was like, they're really because there are there are workers. There are workers that are Polish born. They're poor, but they're not. I don't think they're Jewish. Right. I, I, think, I think I think that that could go either way, honestly, because um, there's a comment where the wife says it to the mom or the mom says something like, oh, you have Jews in your house. But and I think th- she's like, no, it, but I I don't think it's definitive. I think it could be you know a, a, a glazing over the fact like yes, but or but but not saying it or lying or specifically you know lying just to not leave oh, the same kind of impression. True. But again, I, I that's negligible. Your your, your point still sure, stands right. as far as it's not about Jewish people whatsoever. It's it's no, it's, no, it's about it's, it's about not. this. It's yeah, yeah, that's not. It doesn't define what you're saying here, and I. Like that that's the kind of thing that that doesn't occur to me as far as like what i'm because i knowing knowing the basic idea of this um i would be i would i would be more concerned if there was like an effort to be like and here's like some sympathetic people or what have you we can look at in the meantime of doing something like this which makes me wonder like where is it that like i'm like i'm getting hung up on as far as why i'm not appreciating this more which i do it just 
Because like I would I would argue Under the Skin is a more repetitive film than this is. This has more yeah. at play as far as plot and what have you. Because there's like you said, there's so much dialogue. Where Under the Skin is just like improvised bits of her walking up to people and doing you know and doing stuff, and then you know goes from there. This movie has I wouldn't necessarily a typical three act structure, but it certainly has like a certain kind of formality to it. As horrible as the things that are going on could be considered. I would almost argue that I think that the scene on the, I don't know how much you remember under the skin. Do you remember the baby on the beach? If there's one thing anyone would remember under the skin, it's, it's that. <laughs> yes. Well, no, I would say it's usually the, the black goo is the thing. But yeah, to me, the baby on the beach is almost that's almost the impetus for this movie. I would say that's like, why people can't. I, I would say I that's why people movie. can't. People can't watch yeah. that movie again. It'd be because of that scene. That's that'd be the reason. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right, but but to me, that's sort of like, well, what if I sort of took that nugget in that scene and i sort of changed it a little so like the baby's not front and center but you're so aware that like like tinnitus or something you're so aware of something really terrible that's what it reminds me of yeah like, i mean that's fair and like, i and i could say that like the first time i was seeing this there was certainly more open discussions going on in the internet and the media or what have you concerning the you know the whole situation going on with gaza and israel right now and the various hate taking place and as a Jew, that's which clearly seeing, the movie wasn't. Yeah, it's not. But as a Jew, seeing things like that on the regular going into like a Holocaust film that is playing with things in a very specific kind of way, it's a bit jarring to like have a number of conflicting thoughts going on in my mind, which is also sure. why I wanted to see it a second time to give it like a more fresh eyes on it. Um, I still run into the same again, not issues, but just same aspects that hold me back from like embracing the film more. Uh, but I like I'm clear headed enough where I can recognize like what it's aiming at or what have you. I just I don't know. I it's just a matter of how how attuned I felt to what Glazer was after versus how long I really needed to sit in that. And obviously, you know, you respect that more, which is fine. And so and, you know, if something doesn't work for me, it just doesn't work for me, or at least to the way that I'm saying it. So that brings me back to the other question of what's the prospect of this commercially speaking? Now, I don't think Glazer's sitting there making this. I don't think Glazer's sitting there thinking like, oh, here we go. I got another box office hit on my hands because now that I made my, <laughs> my, my, you know, evil domesticized drama that's, you know, ready for the masses to consume. But I do still concern myself. I'm like, well, so like who's, where is his aim with this beyond people like us that just see weird movies when we can? Like what, what is the, what what do you think he would have to say to that, I guess? I mean, we don't know what the we don't know what the budget was. I, I assume I it's not high. <laughs> no, it's not high. But I, like I, I would assume it's not it's but, not in a position where he has to like it's you know, there's gonna be any you know repercussion to him because the movie didn't make X amount of dollars, because I just don't think that A24 is aiming to like have a certain kind of box office play with this. Right. But I, I do think though that it's more to me the time investment. I mean I don't necessarily know. The book was made in, I heard the book came out in 2014, same yes. name, The Zone of Interest, and they uh -huh. were, acquired the book. And so I don't know, like, is that literally all this, all, all Glazer and uh, was it Kristen Adi's production design? Is that, is that all they did for the last 10 years? Like, probably not. But it's like, feels like there was a lot of research and investment. So even if money-wise, the money doesn't matter, it still feels like this is a huge piece of investment for them as a piece of art. And yeah, I don't know. I don't like, I can't like a part of me is like, how could this not get award nominations? Like it's, it is pretty good, strong critical reviews and the subject matter. 
but it is not like the normal kind of movies that get award nominated. Yeah, it's not. It's like it's not like if Zone of Interest won Best Picture, the box office will <laughs> shoot up and droves. People are like, "You got to see this thing. It's nuts." <laughs> That's the- yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I. I mean, I will say, I think that I think the the film will hopefully be helped. The fact that Hewler is getting a lot of um, noms for Anatomy of a Fall, so she's having a very good year. So I, I think that can't hurt the film. Sure, that she's she's the you know the co lead of the film. You know, um, but yeah, I don't know. Also, I don't know what Under the Skin made. What thirteen million dollars? Like, it, I mean, it was notable. It was I no, I think it's like seven on a thirteen budget. I believe is the. That's what it lost money. Oh yeah, it wasn't a hit by any means. <laughs> <laughs> but Under the Skin became. One of those movies that was on a year-round decade list. A lot of people who like film, probably also usually guys, like they really liked that movie. Of course, so, yeah, I, I, do, I don't deny that, but it's like, that's another one where I'm like, I'm not looking good. I didn't see Under the Skin and think, well, that's that's obviously going to break the bank. Like that's, you know, that's not, <laughs> yeah, these aren't those movies. That, no matter how much Johansson you throw at it, like that's not the movie where... Like, well, Clearly, Iron Claw is something that A twenty four is hoping is going to make some money. It's a more commercial. More, it's a more commercial yeah. film, and it has likable, notable actors in it. But yeah, it's also yeah, telling yeah. a, it's telling a more formal story. No matter how much indie sheen is on it by default, which is not a bad thing whatsoever. It's still telling something that's more. That's why they're putting it on twenty five hundred screens. And also, it's A twenty four. As much as we can like enjoy the fact that they put out these you know small obscure cult films or what have you, just like Neon does. They need to make some money, so yeah, they're gonna like they're gonna make some movies that are gonna be a little more commercially appealing, like that, or like Neon has with honestly Ferrari. It's like a hundred million dollar movie. They didn't put that out there to to not make money, regardless of how much it actually recoups. But like there, you know, there's efforts being put in to sell think, some of their products more than others. I mean, we've seen that a lot this I recently from A24. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I don't. I mean, we'll have to see how Iron Claw does, but like, I don't expect I mean, it to be huge. But I mean, it doesn't cost much either. They're smaller movies. But their their biggest movie is Everything Everywhere All at Once, and when nobody thought that was going to make a hundred mil, like, and then and best pick, like, well, that it, it became is, a word of mouth yeah. hit, which is you yeah, can't is like you can't make yeah. that happen. It just happens. Yeah. So their their bigger play their yeah. their bigger plays are their horror movies. Honestly, that's because it's horror. Horror sells. So that's why. But they, their horror never makes a hundred million dollars. But, but I mean, not to that. Not to not to that extent. But Midsommar and, and Hereditary are their their previous biggest hits that they've had. True. True. I mean, and and it's not surprising because they're horror movies. Those they just naturally sell better, especially when it comes to that kind of thing. Where it's a dream budget. scenario, neon or a twenty four. It's a it's a twenty four. Um, Did that make money? Okay. It's, it's still like it's because it's slowly spread it didn't spread wide for like a while like i did I, again it's also a movie that just doesn't cost much to begin with but i'm sure it's not super high it's at 6.6 so far and i assume that's a movie that cost like 20 or under so oh, okay. it'll do it'll do what it does but if you know nick cage is a wild card at the box office so it's not like it's like true the, I, yeah but yeah i um you know I, I i i don't know where i made this decision i think it was like well, I don't know if it was a decision, but I earlier in the year I gave John Wick four a ten, and it was the first time I'd given anything a ten at We Live Entertainment. But I don't even know if I did a five at Why So Blue. But this year I have given so many movies tens, and I feel like I, well, one I think it's a really good year, <laughs> but I mean I think I even with my issue that I agree with you on about the sort of end scene of this movie. I think that I'm kind of embracing how much I really appreciate a filmmaker's just, you know, going a thousand percent with their own, like, 
execution and vision. Um, And I guess that's why I've been a lot of movies where it's like, wow, that's pretty damn good. I was like, I'm like, I really don't have any notes. I mean, maybe a few bickering. It becomes a point where I'm like, yeah, I could probably give this a nine. I could probably be like, I could knock it down a little. And if I saw somebody else do that, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. You know, I don't think that's, you know, a huge controversy or whatever. But I guess I really am, I have lately really like loved how much I have loved something. And it, not just, and it's not just movies. It great year for video games and obviously, you know, the bear on television. And like, I've just, I, I feel like just recently, and that could just be a personal thing that I have really gotten way more like wow man i really love when a piece comes together so well you know and uh and i'm so confident about it that even if other people because i am sure i like i cannot imagine my mom sitting through zone of interest or anything like you know and then and she tried like watch roma moonlight like she does but i'm like would she i don't know <laughs> like i mean so you know, I guess we'll see. Hey, yeah, I hear you. I've been a little, I've been more gun shy lately about tens for whatever reason. I used to hand them out, not like candy, but I, you know, I was more liberal with them before. Now I only handed out one this year. Well, now your, your rebel oh. moon reviews up. So, but what, oh yeah. Well, I mean that, you know, <laughs> the, the scales don't go to 11 yet. So we'll, I'll, I'll try to correct that when part two comes out, but the, the, um, it's more like an after the fact thing now where I'm like, I gave something a nine and I'm like, why did it? Why did I not give this a ten? Like months later, like why did I not get RRR a ten? And like now it's a ten. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, why, yeah, it's so good. Why, why did I not give um everything everywhere all once a ten when I gave it a nine? Like this movie rules. Like what? So you know, I re- retroactively I changed the grade, but I got to get back to it. I get I got to loosen up. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, um, anything? Any other like standout stuff from the zone of interest that like? you just want to make note of i think i really like i I really liked how um i like how not our main characters but i like how it seems like supporting characters seem to make decisions in the movie probably based on their new circumstance and they don't do the thing that a movie does okay so like essentially in the film the uh, Hedwig's mom comes to visit Mm -hmm. and there's even that scene where they're outside and rather casually talking about a Jewish woman they knew and how much they loved her curtains. And then they're like, huh, I wonder if she's at the camp now. I wonder who got those curtains. So Mm -hmm. when you you're seeing this and you're like, whoa, okay, that's pretty cold and everything. And yet (laughs) that mom leaves. There's no dramatic moment where the mom is just like, this is just too terrible. I can't live here with my, I can't do this. She's just, go- I think she leaves a letter. She leaves a letter which, which Hed- the- Hedwig burns. Yeah, she burns the letter. <laughs> right, we don't see what the letter is. We just know she looks at it and she burns it or whatever. Yeah. And it's, which is ironic. I get it. She burns the letter. But yeah, um, yeah. but I appreciate things like that. I also appreciate like the childlike fascination of why do these kids get to play with teeth? Uh-huh. Like, how did that happen? Like, I get why a child is just like, well, what is those? It's kind of gold or whatever. But like, I don't even know how they get their hands on that. Like crazy, you know, there's a lot of little, little, there's, yeah. So there's a lot of little things like that, that I, oh, and I also, I really love how the movie, like his first, not, not first. I love how Under the Skin and Zone of Interest both do this like glazer palate cleanser where Under the Skin is like, crazy sights and sounds and eventually in, with no dialogue and eventually in five minutes you realize oh it's an eyeball and i guess it's the creation of this alien or, or trying to be human and in this 
it's very strange noises. And it's the same sound designer, Micah something. Micah Levy, yeah. Yeah, Micah Levy. And then it and then the weird, crazy sounds change into nature. They change into and it's all black. It's just a black screen. And then we just see this idyllic family, mm-hmm. like I guess having a picnic or whatever. I really like that about Glazer's work. I really like that he's very much like, yeah, we will spend uh, if it needs to take you two or three minutes to not be on your phone and just get into whatever this is. I like that he does that with his movies. It's very, Kub- very effective. It's Kubrickian, honestly. Like it's it's yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's it like is. doing two thousand one yeah. stuff. Like it's just kind yeah. of setting and setting, finding ways to set moods. I I will say, like in this discussion, like I certainly appreciate the movie more than I did. And it's again, it's not like I didn't like. It's not like I don't like this, or I'm like ret, you know, heavily against what it's after or anything like that. It's just more of like I'm trying to like align where my sensibilities are with what this movie's going for and it's just not quite seeing it fully but like i certainly you know want I, i'm i'm not against the idea of the movie like you know raking in awards or getting you know critical love or what have you like it's you know i'd rather see more original stuff like this that's challenging me than you know something that i've seen 17 times before already and comes out there and does nothing to stimulate me whatsoever well do you think that like i mean you giving a movie a seven and then if you had given, um, I don't know. Oh, the one you and I like to argue about. If you had given, uh, what is it? Tomb Raider 2018, the elusive Vikander. Uh-huh. I think you gave that a five or a four. And I actually didn't have a bad time with it. I was like, oh, that's entertaining. If you had given that a seven, and then you give Zone of Interest a seven. Although I know these are very different movies. And of course, you're not really supposed to, we're not really supposed to do that. I would be like, huh <laughs> and i was like well that sounds like a very big creative failure for glazer and i guess this tomb raider movie was just entertaining for him or whatever i mean because obviously i know it's not supposed to be that linear or whatever um i mean i can match i mean like i can match what you're saying to like other things like i saw that adam sandler iguana movie leo which i would give a seven does that mean i think it's seen- a- would that, but would that do you? Would you think? Would you be inclined to think that I feel the Adam Sandler animated Netflix comedy where he voices a iguana is directly in relation to what I feel about the Zone of Interest? No, like that is it's, <laughs> not, it's, not, like, it's not. It's not. My head doesn't go there as far as like how how do these numbers look? Because the numbers are meaningless. It's just more of like a reference point, if anything. So like Zone of Interest, it's matched against whatever rubric I have in my mind for what I expect from Jonathan Glazer to deliver as the filmmaker he is. And that's where it ultimately sits. I don't find it to be a perfect film. I don't find it necessarily to be great, but I certainly find it to be intriguing. It has my attention and captures me in a certain kind of way. How to turn that into a number, I guess that's what it stands as. That doesn't well, do mean it, that... that doesn't mean anything when it comes to a video game movie that I just, you know, whatever felt about. Like, there's no... My mind doesn't go that way. I mean, but do you think that that um, friend of the show, Yancey, would argue that that's what he, he would always get so frustrated if a Pixar movie comes out and it gets an okay review uh-huh. from you, me, or whatever. And then, I don't know, Illumination or another movie comes out and it gets a similar review. And Yancey's thing would be that like Pixar is such the gold standard that they're put up to this high standard because of their previous achievements. But then it's almost like they're, it's almost like they're punished for it because you expect so much greatness for them but then if the people who make kung fu panda dreamworks animation it's like hey this is pretty good they get the same grade and i'm like i sort of get his frustration but again and they're those are both in the same genre right those are both computer animated movie, children's films or whatever but 
I sort of get it. I sort of get why he gets frustrated. But then at other times I'm like, well, but I mean, isn't it a great honor that someone like Glazer or the people at Pixar have such high standards put upon them and that people expect so much greatness from them, right? I mean, you I mean, yes, that'd be my same arguments. I, it, this also comes down to why the numbers should not matter as much as some want them to, where if I want to describe what I felt about Elemental, I'm not going to describe it as, yeah, it's a real B plus because it B plus is it's B plus, B plus, B plus. Like I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say words that mean something that give meaning to why I have the feelings that I do toward it. And do those, will those meanings sometimes align with like what a rival studio is doing? Perhaps if it pertains to the conversation, but not in general. Like I'm trying to match a movie up to what standard, you know, subconscious or otherwise I have to what a Pixar film should be delivering for me or what this director's film should be delivering for me or what the subject matter could be doing for me. Like that's, that's the greater concern that I feel I should have. And like with this, with zone of interest, like, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't <laughs> turn the the mechanics in my brain completely into words to describe like what manner of thinking I have that Matt that says this is you know merely average if you're going to rate it compared to something else that I think is higher. But if I look at just the film I saw, I have the things I appreciate about it, and I have the reservations I have about it, and ultimately that amounts to seven. Is that is, is that enough? No, that's why I'd never go to somebody and say, what I think of Zone of Interest? That's a seven. Like, that's a stupid, that's not a conversation. <laughs> like, that's not, like, like, that, that provides nothing to the to the listener. Um, so, you know. I will say I did use that for one of my headlines when I wrote, wrote for E! Online. Do you remember that Daniel D. Lewis, one of the few nine great performances? But Yeah, do you remember that nine? I mean, my review for it was nine more like a six. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I was like, eh. Um, no, I agree. I know, I know what you're saying, and I do like you saying it's it's a B plus B plus B plus thing. I was like, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Like, um, yeah, but also, I mean, it also depends on like, yes, each critic and the sites. I mean, you know, it is so rare. I, I'm still a person who likes pitchfork for music reviews, and it's pretty freaking rare for a, a, anything to get a nine, unless it's a classic reissue and then it gets like a 10 or whatever. So if if a new album by an artist I like gets a seven or above, I'm like, hey, that's pretty good. <laughs> I'm like, because that's 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 where they are. Like if you somehow get 8.6, it's like, wow, this must be one of the best albums of the year or whatever. Like, so yeah, man, but, but that's because I'm used to, that's what Pitchfork does. It's like, yeah, that's how they are you're a longtime reader then you just know that that's your expectations um so and no so i don't think no 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 i'm not <laughs> we just talked about this for five minutes i'm not trying to slam you for giving it a seven because i've because i, no, I don't think you are number, yeah. Yeah. i think you really i think you have i'm glad you watched it again and i think you have said a lot that you've really appreciated about it and actually to be fair i don't think you've really said a lot i don't think anything that you've knocked it on are things that break it you know what I mean? I, like we could probably talk talk about this if we were to talk about Rebel Moon. I think there are things where you're like, well, yeah, this is this is conceptually bad, or this doesn't work. Like there really isn't anything you're saying about Zone of Interest where I'm like, oh, that's a pretty big ding. Like not really. Like the problems you have, I'm like, oh, I think those are valid. I, I get it, but I don't think it it doesn't blow up the whole construct or whatever. You know? Yeah, I hear you. Uh... Anything else? And by the same token, me me loving 
me being in love with giving movies, a lot of movies, tens, it, it certainly never really means that anything is actually perfect. You know, it might mean, I think it's a masterpiece that might, I mean, I do think this one is, but I mean, like there isn't no piece of art is ever really perfect. Well, like, yeah, it, it's a matter yeah, of, it's not, it's, it's just, not worth my time to analyze what I think doesn't work about the movie, or at least it's not nearly as interesting to me. If I look at, you know, a film simply right. to find the flaws in it, you know, there's the perfection's a ridiculous kind of statement to make in the, you know, subjective art. <laughs> right. <laughs> Can I ask you one question? Um, speaking of the Jewish like experience, which obviously so uh, much of, I don't think, which is not really what Zone of Interest is about. You had, I think you had said to me in an email chain or, or, or something that you had seen Maestro. Uh, and I think you just, uh, you were more in, invested or something at it. So I heard it's on Netflix now and I do want to check it out. Mm -hmm. um, but is that movie... Well, obviously, Bernstein is Jewish. Is his faith a big part of the film? No. no. Oh, okay. Okay. I was just wondering. Like, no, he's just. Is he? I just. I'm I assuming it's going to start, and he's already a famous composer because I'm, I'm assuming he's already sort of who he is before he meets Carrie Mulligan or whatever. Like, yes, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. more I referenced because Bradley Cooper puts on a big Jew nose. That's what I mentioned. Pulled more times. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I but I will say within the context of the film, and it's not like I could not glean that without the context. But the makeup is pretty spectacular in the movie. <laughs> like it's it, it really sells what he's going for as older Lenny Bernstein <laughs> when it needs to, and it's done by the same people that did um, Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour. So it makes the same guy. Um, okay. it's, like the, it's like the Japanese makeup artist who like retired and came back. He's he nails it like he does what it needs to to make that you know that transformation work. So it's a perfect companion piece to Tar. I mean, when you see when you see young <laughs> Lydia Tar in the you know his later days when he's when he's when he's training him, it's like wow, the Tarverse <laughs> is really expanding and uh, it's really enlightening to see. It's so um, weird to me that there are people that think Lydia Tar is a real person. Like, be, how's that a thing? It'd be a great joke if he did have like a young, like not named, but like someone that resembles right, yeah. her, like, in, like, in, in, like in a, in a I mean, oh my god, is that Lydia Tar? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Well, Peter, um, thank you very yeah. much for talking to, about Zone of Interest with me. I've certainly enjoyed this conversation, and I feel like I do have a greater respect for the film than I did in before. So, which I think is helpful, uh, and I'm certainly glad you enjoyed uh, you know a film like this as far as something that's just different and has more to you know more to ask for from an audience as opposed to something so simple so. oh yeah me too and thanks sir and i always appreciate what you have to say i think you were we were not uh this is going to sound like a weird reference but last night i got to chicago and i'm staying with my really good friends and they're like oh it's the survivor finale and i was like okay i haven't watched survivor this season but i was like i'll watch it and it was a pretty fun finale but something that i noticed because i have not watched survivor in a while is that oh my god like survivor went from being the show where people were like it's always like the, the the scheming and like the yelling at each other and then this this survivor gang is all love like when somebody else wins they're like oh you deserved it man okay <laughs> I was like, what i was like what? but what i meant to say is is that i appreciated our discussion today we're not really like butting heads like i i like the movie a lot more than you do but this this was not really like a trash talk either on the movie like or on each other. I guess that's what I meant. I hear you, and like, I mean, I'm not against having heated conversations about things oh, yeah, we have, yeah. if we have a, if we have opinions that are strong enough to to denote something like that. But you know, my objective when it comes to film is never to like find the reason why to hate it so much, or certainly not to you know find the reason why to be an asshole about it. Somebody else that does appreciate it so much, uh, unless there's 
a humorous conceit in place. I mean, I'm happy to like argue with Marcus about certain movies just because that's more fun. <laughs> but, right. but something like this, I th- like having vitriol towards it is not going to help anything whatsoever. So I'm just rather rather just explore what we can get out of it, which I think we have. Um, so with all that said, where can people find more of your work online, Peter? Well, I, I write for WeLiveEntertainment.com, and then um, I also have, but I have not done a lot there. Um, my my social media is Pajamo with an O. Uh, that's usually, if you're on Instagram, it's usually where you can see that my reviews have gone up, because I'll usually post a story there. Uh, and if not, you at least see pictures of my cats. So. There you go. Okay. Uh, everything I do ends up at my personal blog, thecozy.com. I write for Legal Entertainment as well and on Wise the Blue for Blue Rank Criteria interviews. I'm on Aaron's Twitter at Aaron's PS4. This podcast can be found everywhere, everywhere you can find podcasts, but go to iTunes or Spotify. Give us a rating and review. That'd be great. We're on all the socials as well. If you want to follow us, you know where you can find us. Yeah. Well, that's it. But Peter, once again, thank you for joining me for this discussion. Aaron, yeah. Happy holidays. Uh, I know Hanukkah just passed, uh, but I hope you also still have a good weekend and New Year's and everything. Thank you. Happy holidays to you as well. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long and goodbye. Whoa, whoa,